Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Nara DeMassen, with special guest Gareth Buland on guitar. We recorded this in a cabin at Gareth's family farm in Barkersvale, New South Wales. This episode is sponsored by Elderly Instruments in Lansing, Michigan, my go-to for traditional instruments and accessories. Next time you want to upgrade your instrument or you run out of strings, uh, I think I actually need to get some new strings, shoot. Uh, or if you lose your favorite pick or your tuner breaks, uh, go stock up at elderly.com. Make sure to stick around afterwards and I'll tell you how to keep up with all of Nara's projects. Also, while the show does have sponsors, it's mainly funded by its listeners, like you, maybe. So if you want to keep Get Up in the Cool going every week and get some exclusive bonus content, stay for the outro and I'll tell you how to chip in. But first, here's my interview and jam with Nara Damasin. Enjoy. Hey. Welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you. Also, welcome Gareth Bjaland. Did I say it right that time? That was pretty good. Okay, good. Pretty good. <laughs> All excited. We are in Barkersvale, New South Wales, Australia. What do, you, do you have a special name for this farm, Gareth? Uh, there is two, like, my folks call it Big Sky Farm. Big Sky Farm. Ooh, that's uh, nice. But, uh, we actually call our place the Pit Empire. The Pit Empire, very yeah. good. That's a, a branch of Big Sky Farm. Yeah, yeah. I suppose so. <laughs> we are in a cabin on top of the hill above the house, and uh, there's a lot of nature noise outside. And yeah, perfect place to have an old time jam. How did you get into playing old time music, Nara? Um, well, did you start with old time music? No, no, I started with. Uh, I guess, like any teenage boy, uh, starting with a blues guitar, yeah. really got me into music, and um, and then it sort of moved pretty quickly to folk music. I guess. Why did you Why did you want to do blues guitar? Oh, it was just cool. I think I was actually in a Led Zeppelin cover band for a while there, <laughs> um, and 
and uh, I had a I had another influential friend at high school that was um, really you know you had a rock on the guitar and I was just like wanted to be like him. Yeah. Anyway, that, do, you, do you still? Ah uh, no, <laughs> no, I got okay. over that pretty quickly. Okay. Then I started to like you know uh, play lots of punk music and got into sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Uh-huh. And then um, pretty quickly after that, I uh, met Gareth here, and we and started playing. Um, I guess yeah, gypsy jazz and um, and we we discovered sort of bluegrass as well as teenagers and uh, we used to do a lot of busking and stuff playing bluegrass. How did you discover it? Well, I guess Gareth would. I'd say Gareth introduced it to me. How did you discover bluegrass, Gareth? Uh, it's because I was unexplainedly attracted to a banjo in a music shop. I don't even know why. Just was just attracted to it. Gave you had, had found the calling. Yeah, I yeah. always like catchy music. Yeah. So I think that's maybe yeah, why I like it's the novel. Banjo. There was something novel about it, and it was different, and it was it was hard to find. I think, um, and that especially back then, it would have been in the I guess nineties, and um, it was you know we had to either find stuff on tapes or CD, or we go into Lismore, which is near here, and um, and uh, go to the, there was one music shop um, which had decent stuff, and you 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 know if you if you found a genre or something that you're into, you just have to go there and. Mm. And I hope that they um, they would steer you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you didn't necessarily have like a lot of in person like contacts or mentors for American traditional music. Uh, available there was actually a couple of people, but no, not not really. Um, yeah. yeah, I studied music here in uh, New South Wales. Uh, so after high school, yeah, went to went to a music school and. Uh, and the teachers there, I guess, were it was a contemporary music school, um, jazz. Uh, it was jazz and blues, and um, some people you could explore whatever you want. They had, we had some really interesting, you know, hippie type teachers. That were there was a guy who's a really well known percussionist in Australia called Greg Sheehan, and he was one of our teachers. For all he used to do body percussion and really teach oh, yeah. um, rhythmic sort of stuff. And um, we had uh, Scott. Tinkler came and worked for a while, and he he's a very very known jazz trumpeter, and he was one of the teachers. We had like lots of really different diverse influences, but um, there was and there was, and a few of those teachers were actually into like Macedonian folk stuff. Or um, I, I remember playing a bit of bluegrass with my bass teacher. He he would he was sort of into he knew how to play it and wasn't you know extremely into it. But uh, yeah, it was a part of it was definitely around you know. So and then yeah, I guess that was that was uh, the introduction to that sort of music. But yeah, I don't, old time music didn't come till much later. Yeah. Did um, you have an idea of like that it was a separate? Music? Yeah. From there was a couple of albums that um, we heard that, uh, back then. One was called Blue Ribbon Banjo. I was telling Gareth this the other day, and there was a you know like a, a version of some sort of water band like. Boats up the river won't come down till by the way that she's heading. I'm Alabama bound, like that sort of thing. And you know, it was uh, and it had an old timey Overback banjo, and it just had a really raw sound compared to half the other tracks on the album. And I was like, well, that's that's some like what is that sound? And I wanted to, but I was, was didn't know how to find it. I guess you know, it wasn't until much many years later. We didn't know um, what old time. Old time music. I don't wasn't. think we really. I, no. I didn't anyway. I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. I didn't, and it wasn't until I guess. Um, funnily, like both Gareth and I started playing old time music. Um, we we I moved to Victoria, uh, and um, yeah, we, and we we hadn't seen each other for many years, and then found out through a mutual friend that we were both into the yeah. getting into old time <laughs> music at the same time. Um, so it, wait, of, were you it playing, found us, you know, I guess. What were you playing bluegrass on? What instrument? I was playing guitar. You're playing guitar. And started to learn a bit of mandolin. Okay. Mm. And Gareth was, yeah, on the on the banjo. And we were both, yeah, that's when we were traveling in a circus together. And, uh, yeah. Just gloss over that real quick. Gloss over that. <laughs> I, have quite, I have more questions about the circus experience. Yeah, right. uh, let's play another tune, but. Yeah, okay. I want to talk about that. Um, well, yeah, maybe we can play that um, Maysville. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can. <laughs> Maybe we can. Let's uh, Gareth just learned it. Let's see how we go.
Yeah. Well done, Gareth. That's like one of the hardest old time tunes. Ending on a minor. Yeah. Um, Mara, you did great too, but you already knew that. Uh, thanks, <laughs> yeah, I love that tune. Uh, was, yeah. uh, I know one of those tunes that just like get you, you know. Sometimes a tune finds you. I think that's what I yeah. like about old time music. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Try to find it back. It took me a long time to find that tune after it found me <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes they yeah. find you and then you lose them after a yeah. pretty big night yeah you're like i'm sure i had it <laughs> yeah what happens is like i'll get a really cool tune on the show and i'll just play it terribly and like barely hang on and then i'll get obsessed with it I'm like ah, i need another shot at redemption yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that happened on this tune oh really good yeah no, i'm glad for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, uh, yeah, how did you get into doing circus, circus performing? Ah, Gareth. Yeah, Gareth has introduced me to uh, a lot of good things in life, you could say. Um, Marijuana being one of them. (laughs) Um, uh, Circus, yeah, no, circus. We we lived together in a warehouse and we were both playing a lot of music and... um, and I guess I was, there was a few, there was this stuff happening. I was, there was a lot of theater around at the conservatorium where, um, where I was studying. It was a multidisciplinary place. There was dance, theater, and music all sort of sharing the same mm. buildings and stuff. And, um, and I was just, yeah, I, I sort of was playing around with clowning and juggling and stuff, but, uh, uh and then I went off and performed with a, uh, a Commedia dell'arte, like, you know, oh, Italian cool. theater show. In, did a regional tour in Queensland. Aren't there like set characters? Yeah. Which one were you? I was uh, like character? a um, Zani character, you know, one of the clowns. You know, I was the musical. I was a musician uh, essentially of the show. There was two other performers. It was a small like troupe, and we did school shows in um, Queensland, hmm. going at right out to Winton, which is um, you know where Qantas was born, and it's sort of like a thousand kilometres uh, inland. Sorry, Qantas. Yeah, Qantas, the airline, you know, it was like the birthplace of like, and there's, uh, there, what other things of, you know, fame were out there? There was, uh, is that Long the, Reach? the Billabong, Long Reach? Longreach. That's sorry. where the Qantas thing is. Winton's yeah. the next time, Long, yeah, sorry, Longreach, yeah. And uh, there's, um, anyway, yeah, there's, it's, so we did a whole tour and then I came back from that and um, had had a good fun hanging out with the thespians and uh, Gareth said, oh, there's a, we need a musician for Circus uh, Monoxide, which is the circus he'd, he'd started working with. And that we toured around in, um, yeah, uh, th- at that time there was a Leyland double-decker bus and was it Leyland the single one as well? They're just the Yeah, two, a bus-based circus doing an outdoor show in front of the double-decker bus doing, um, yeah, like a, a circus and comedy show in rural, yeah. rural Australia. Yeah. So it was like, oh, yeah, great. And we um, our living quarters uh, between eight of us was upstairs in one of the buses are all bunk beds mm. and um and then there was four four pe- four bunk beds in the other bus and and then all of the rig and everything went into one of them and then yeah all of the the sound desk was downstairs at one end just near the driver's seat and then the kitchen was behind the driver's seat and we had a little lounge room at the back and it was um it was great times really and we well, gareth and i i guess got to refine our bluegrass skills then and we did a lot of busking and in our spare time and after shows we played music and uh, just just have a good time and then uh, much later I, I ended up touring uh, only when was that 2011 I got a gig with um, <coughs> somebody who was in Circus Monoxide and she'd started another show and I developed a show with them and that was called Cantina and we we toured um, that show for about two or three years so I'd, I'd had a long break from Circus at that stage and had kids and moved mm-hmm. to Melbourne and become a like musician more of a musician there and then I ended up getting this role as a musical director and performer in this show which which I thought was just going to be one season in Brisbane and it ended up being uh yeah three years of touring the world from yeah. places like Bogota and we did the London Olympics and did uh like a, a month in Germany and uh or quite a few months in Germany over the years and you know it was just and I was just basically got to play music and um yeah, Madonna came to the show one time. What? Yeah, that was the, the story about the Madonna and the chair that I was going to tell you. But uh, yeah, is that a, yeah. Is a story you can tell on the podcast? Oh well, it was only because afterwards the Carnies was like, in, this was in a Spiegel tent in London, and she came with her whole dance troupe and sat in the front row. And 
afterwards there was these couple of guys who were doing like performing at the tent and we were having a party afterwards in the tent and they were like so which chair did she sit on? Oh and, and they went over and <laughs> but he found the chair and started sniffing the chair oh, that Madonna no. was sitting on. And then we were like, you know, it was it was all very funny. Anyway. So that Yeah, was, like that how, was, how ironic was like how like were they being uh circusy about it or were they being like oh, no, just creepy being, about Yeah, it? no, like freak show sort of like okay. 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 they did sort of like chainsaw juggling and sword swelling and sort of stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Chair no, sniffing. Chairs, and chair sniffing was a new routine that they were, we were actually considering like putting, what, what if you put this chair on eBay, sat on by Madonna? I wonder if it would fetch something. I'd be so tempted to, if someone was sniffing a chair, then I'd, I finally would want to go and sniff that chair too. <laughs> to like, see, well, to I'm going to know. What was the experience? I, I did actually We got into sniff. fiddle sniffing one night yeah. uh, at a... At a fiddle camp recently, and fiddles are really cool to smell because yeah. it smells like a workshop and wood inside oh, yeah. the fiddle, yeah. and everyone's fiddle smells different. Mine's every. Yeah. Well, you have to smell in the air. You smell in the air. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every fiddle smells a different story. Yeah. It's mm. <laughs> a good bumper sticker. Yeah. Yeah. So that Maybe. was the end. That was pretty much the end of my circus career. Um, uh, for, for now, for, for the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But now it's just to cut in like. Not a lot of people can are good circus musicians because you have to be able to like play to the act that's happening yeah. and have like knowledge of how the show sort of works. So uh, yeah, there's not a lot of musicians in Australia who I recommend as a circus musician, but Nara is definitely one of them. You probably have to be like fairly versatile to play circus music. Yeah, lots of like, styles yeah, and yeah. lots of instruments as yeah. a plus. Yeah, well, I guess you know I, I, part of that had come from just trying different stuff i mean we i played in punk bands and stuff when i was younger but but also yeah in the in well my youngest daughter is 13 uh and on her actual birthday when she was born was the first gig of this other band which is that since gone on to tour a lot around australia and, and a bit around the world is uh and that um band we played like russian criminal music it's called volgograd and we uh and so that was like there was, um, got to play all sorts of different styles and meet a lot of people in the Eastern European community and play uh, Russian folk music. And I also got to work with some Italian, like a, a, a guy fresh out of Italy who's from Puglia who taught taught me a whole lot of Italian folk music and got to play music with him, which was amazing. And so you know, it's, uh, Melbourne is a real melting pot of musicians. Mm. So you get to you get to learn a lot of different styles and. If you and I, I, I guess I was trained to do that, you know. I just yeah. always and I was interested and yeah. Well, I want to ask you questions about um, making instruments. Do we have any more C tunes though? I lost track. Um, yeah, there was another one. Um, what, what, what we do you want to do none of your business. Or? You want to do none of your business? Yeah. yeah. You got the chords for that. It's got a it's got a D chord in it. Yeah, you play the fiddle. Oh, we, we did another one before, um, which was oh, why did the preacher like chicken so? Oh, great! Yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. Gary Harrison. Yeah. I I guess um yeah, I love Gary Harrison. And uh, this is called Why did the preacher like chicken so?
nice one. <laughs> Love that, Gareth. That was very nice. Thank you. C7. Mm. C7. It's amazing what you do with the C7. If you never play a C7 like in old time music for like two years and then you finally play one. It's never it's gone back. Yeah. <laughs> never no, you can only play one about every two years. <laughs> That's it. Your, your quote is done for yeah, the next two years. Right. So about 2020, I think, yeah. you get to bring it back. Have you ever heard a ninth chord in old time? I don't think I've ever heard anyone play a ninth chord. <laughs> and had someone smile at them. Or diminished? Never. I've heard, I've seen people do diminish and, and like, and I've seen the looks people give them. Yeah. Like just, just tight just mouths, very yeah. tight lips. <laughs> uh, mostly, I just, when that kind of thing happens, uh, I see people kind of go, well, it's time to be moseying on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Take a, you know, my a rest. You oh, go yeah, up yeah, and then they're in the next jam over. Yeah. <laughs> when there's no diminished or demolished scores. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> demolished seventh. Yeah. Oh, no. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, yeah, when did you start making instruments? Did you do woodworking before you started making yeah, instruments? Yeah, I, um, I started woodworking in Lismore and uh, my mother had a, a partner that, was, uh, that had a lot of woodwork and uh, woodworking equipment and he actually taught me how to make wooden bongs because oh, yeah. uh, just to put it into context for those who don't know Nimbin and this area is like it's it is the marijuana capital of Australia and uh, and so you go into town and we, which we've, we've been yeah. working in and uh, there's you know bong shops everywhere and stuff yeah. and um, so I got taught the uh, fine art of turning wooden bongs on a lathe. I didn't know that was a thing, making wooden bongs. Yeah, no, it's not very common. It's, yeah. It's not that popular. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually uh, they were quite complicated. Is it like very resonant when you... Yeah, you know, it's got a good... You have yeah. to tune it to a certain key yeah. before you can um, smoke yeah. with it. But uh, no, I started there and made like chess pieces. I'd made a few things, but then uh, instrument making didn't happen until... I make, um, remember you made a, a bush base with frets. Oh yeah, once. What's like a bush bass? Bush bass is uh, maybe it's uh, like, like Australian a chest bass. bush I mean, music thing, but yeah, it's a tea chest bass. Have you heard of that? It's a tea like, chest box with a yeah. um, with a rope. With you, you, you drill a hole in the centre and pass a rope with a knot through it, and it comes up out of the out of the box. And then yeah. you put a stick in the corner and tie the rope to the top of the stick, and then you you know play it. Well, where do the frets come in? Well, no. So well, the way that it works, the, the way that you get the get it to play notes is by adjusting the tension yeah. on the string that runs from the top of the broomstick to the box and I think Nara made one which like had hinges instead Whoa. of just and, and then neck, it had frets it, more of a neck um, yeah he so, tried to like and you use the T-chest as a resonator mm. so it's uh, this is a resonant box but um, they're, they're, they are a very classic bush instrument yeah. a lot of uh, bush bands here that play string band music would, would have a T-chest bass Huh. Mm. And I'm, look, I'm sure there would have been a. It was, I guess, it was like the Australian equivalent to the jug in, you know, oh, yeah. like jug band music. It sort of played a similar role. It was a very nondescript bass sound, but it was bass. It's like yeah. a real muffly, almost like a cross between a kick drum and a bass. Yeah. And they'd sort of hit the notes, but like generally just go for the contour of the bass line. Sure. Some people can play them almost in tune. Yeah. Sounds like a jug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Actually, yeah. there is a jug pl player here um, who plays with. Uh, Mick Conway's National Junk Band, and he's a pretty well-known, you know, junk band uh, musician and magician and performer. And but the um, the woman who plays sousaphone, and she's actually an orchestral sousaphone player. Oh wow! And she, when she gets on the jug, it's like nothing you've ever heard. It's amazing. She can play like bebop jug playing. Like it's what? it's really good. <laughs> I can hear this. Yeah. <laughs> Ever on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she is. She's just um, playing fiddle tunes. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty good. Wait, so what is a tea chest, though? Oh, it's what you... Um, it's a wooden crate for tea, for importing tea, and it's yeah. got, like, metal um, angle all the way around it, and it's, like, made of thin plywood and often mm. the stamp with the importer of, like, whoever the tea... It's, like, three... Probably, like, three foot high and yeah. two foot... Square. Sort of square. Yeah. Thank you for translating for our American yeah. audience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so good. it's just a small box, really, um, for, for shipping tea and... yeah. Uh, yeah. So you were doing woodworking, and back then, was that your first instrument that you made? Oh yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. dabbling with that stuff, and then, um, and then I moved to Melbourne and started collecting um, woodworking gear. I was thinking about doing a guitar making course um, with some people in Melbourne. I 
that were doing that and uh, with the guy that was doing it. And and then I think it was about two $2,000 to do it. And I thought the logical part of me went, I could spend $2,000 on a course, get a guitar out of it and no tools. Or maybe I'll go and spend $2,000 on some tools and and buy a book. Yeah. Or go to the library and photocopy a book as it might have been, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I did that. And... Uh, and I went and talked to the guy who was running the course and said, ah, hey, you want any tips? And like, he was actually really helpful. And, oh, cool. Uh, and so I ended up, you know, just sort of learning that way. Uh, and that was um, uh, 15 years ago, I think. And then made started making some ukuleles and then made guitars and then made... Um, uh, and I recently, I guess, five or six years ago, I started making tambourines for... The Italian band, because he was he was from Italy and um, plays a tamburello, which is sort of like a fourteen-inch um, frame drum with jingles that are made out of like olive oil tins and, oh, cool. and a skin on top, and a goat skin. Yeah. So it's very close to a banjo. You know, it's got the skin there, it's got the frame, and uh, so I started working out how to make those for Salvatore, and then we. Um, and they were great. We make I made quite a few and started selling them to people in the Italian community or you know other people. And then uh, and then <clears throat> I, I, that's when I started. You know, picked up the banjo and thought I should uh, try and work out how to make a banjo rather than buy one. And uh, and I and I did. I made three in a, in one go. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And they were all pretty good. I sold a couple. And uh, what do you mean you made them in one go? Well, in one batch, you know, often I'm making... So you make like batches. three rims and then yeah. three next, yeah. At the moment, I'm, I'm making a batch of 12, um, oh, cool. like fretless. I, I made a couple of prototypes, so in just I made two. Because if you're going to make one, you might as well make two. And if you're going to make two, you might as well make four. So there you can, go. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's the same process. And I, I do work as a woodworker now, like professionally as well. So and anytime, you know, it's always the way that it's much better to make multiples. Um, yeah. Because yeah, and you always work it out on your first one and then you follow the same procedure for the rest. So it's... it's um, and you have everything you, set up. Yeah, and the yeah. first one's the one that might have a few mistakes. But then after that, you know, you've learned... It's like making pancakes. You gotta like exactly the first sacrifice the first one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot like making a pancake. They're, they're round. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a perfect metaphor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess it just started there, uh, uh, and that was not until yeah, I guess the old timey scene in Melbourne found. Um, I started to get into that and learn, learn banjo and um, yeah. I just got into it that way. And so since then, I've been making quite a few banjos. Um, And yeah, just still do it as a sort of semi-profession, part-time amongst other work. Yeah, Yeah. right on. Group your operations because repetition is the mother of speed and efficiency. What's that? It's, it's like an old woodworking uh, law that I read <laughs> in the back of this. Is that some acronym? That, like, no, no. It just means that that's why you do. That's why you like yeah. do all the things. You yeah. make all the rims first because then you do them yeah. all over it and you get better and quicker at doing that thing. As if you did one, mm. then had a big break and then did another one. You never Yeah, you forget. Again. You know, you forget um, what those measurements were unless you're really meticulous with writing stuff down. Like I, I often think I should have a my sort of log book, which I make notes in about every single piece of timber that I use for each instrument and my thoughts on it. And then you can make measurements like, you know, have a a manual that you refer to, which has all of your rough measure, you know, rough component measurements. So you can go and machine everything in one day and whatever that sort of stuff. But, you know, the reality is it doesn't happen like that for me. I'm not that organized at this stage, (laughs) but uh, maybe I will be when I'm, uh, you know, much older. You you were telling me, um, was it was you who were telling me about the some sort of Australian like very dense tree that? Oh yeah, the, yeah, the gidgee. Gidgee. Yeah, I gave, yeah, I think I was telling you because you were, um, yeah, I gave some to uh, uh, Mac Trainham recently because he was out here with Sh- Mac and Shay were doing some gigs and um, got to hang out with those guys and. And I gave him some to him because we were talking about banjo making and um, I believe he's made it into a fingerboard. But I think part of the th- reason was, I, you know, I think that 
Um, yeah, ebony is becoming hard, uh, scarce and hard to get, and it's actually a really interesting, old, viable alternative. Australia has a few interesting timbers. It, um, blackwood is a big one in the guitar making world, and I've made a few uh, banjos with blackwood. Mm. Um, and gidgee as, a, as an alternative to ebony is like it's extremely dense and grows out in the desert. Uh, it's it's on the same species as an acacia, as a blackwood. It's an acacia or wattles. You know they're all the same family. But it's, uh, and within that sort of desert acacia, um, there's, I'm not sure, I know there's Brigalow, uh, there's, there's a few other names for sort of slight variants, but they're all basically extremely bloody hard trees. You know, they're, they're yeah. very hard wood. They make really great firewood, as Gareth was talking about. The, the Gigi. Oh, oh sorry. sorry. <laughs> What's uh, the Gigi fire? Yeah, anyway. It's, no, it um, is interesting. It's interesting stuff. Mm. I'm interested. In yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I know so little about the species. I wish I knew more about the species of woods. But continue, please. Yeah, no, it's uh, it is uh, for any any listening who is interested in wood. It is uh, they, they may know some of this stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, I I, I think uh, Australian uh, timber is a great sort of viable option for instrument makers. And I'm lucky enough to live in an area and play music with um, people who are all into woodworking and. A good mate of mine has a, a timber mill where he runs a. Um, they salvage timber and collect trees from all over the place, and they go on collecting missions to the desert. and uh, And he's yeah, he's a musician, so he's um, they make they make musical instrument timber hmm. on the mass, you know. So when they, when you say they collect them, uh, they collect the timber. Like, what does that look like? What's that process like? Uh, looks it comes. Are there in rules a, around a, it? It comes on a truck in massive logs and it gets dumped in their huge yard and then they move it around with forklifts onto a mill and then cut it up into smaller manageable blocks or um but the collection like they don't call it, you know that's it's very regulated here um so they're always collecting off private land um oh. so one you know their farms down in the south very south coast of the otways which is really high rainfall really rich soil area so that this particular species of um, acacia, the blackwoods, grow really big down there and get really dark colour, rich colour, and, and, and Pete is really good at finding, like, um, the really good fiddleback figure in them. He can tell from a tree, like, by looking at it, what it's going to be like and whether it's worth taking. So the farmer farmers have come and they'll have gullies that they need to keep clear or the trees are starting to get too old, starting to fall down, so they'll get them in and they buy the trees off the farmer like and um at a really good rate and then take them home and process them and uh and he does a similar thing out in the desert he'll go and drive out there with his land cruiser and a um, trailer and and a chainsaw and go like camp out on a private sheep station which the sheep stations here are massive like you know thousands of hectares a sheep station yeah sheep station is what they call like a property where that's an like it's a Owned, family-owned, private, like, private property. Not just um, sheep, what, like what would you cattle. call that in the states? Like it's a, probably like a big ranch. A ranch. ranch. It's yeah. a sheep ranch. Gotcha. But they're not just sheep. Like uh, often, actually, all the ones we've just been through in Queensland and Northern yeah, Territory were cattle, cattle ranch. Yeah, yeah. So it's they've it's got huge, heaps though, of property, like a million and, acres. Yeah, or, and they they have Cessnas like light aircraft to get from one end of their property yeah. to the other. Yeah, you know, it's that wow. sort of that sort of scale. So he's he goes to those sort of places and collects timber oh. and yeah. Mm. Um, so we've got it just around the corner from me is a really great source of Australian timber. And I try and use it where possible. That banjo is uh, over there. Is a oh, yeah, I'm about to play this one. Yeah. This is made of... That's maple, actually. Maple, oh, right. Because I work at a joinery in Melbourne where um, the, I play music with the boss of the joinery. He's a nice, very mm. generous friend of mine. And he, um, he's he got containers full of stuff he's collected from uh, over the last 20 or 30 years of his business. And I'm lucky enough to have, like, access to a containers full of like old like south american mahogany and yeah. um walnut like uh, maple all sort of stuff that in australia is quite hard to come by these days you know because mahogany we can't get it in the country anymore so actually it's um it's illegal to import mahogany as is um why south uh american rosewoods south american rosewood we can't we you can't even import a guitar with south american rosewood you, know, you have to bring it in as a vintage instrument and not declare that it's uh, got rosewood in it. So there's all these regulations in to stop, you know, uh, I guess because there's an embargo on that product and they don't, you know, uh, on that 
particular tree. It's a, I don't I don't really it's understand it's endangered. The it's endangered and yeah. gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So um, it's not some sort of like you're <laughs> afraid of it, like it's not, not like a weed tree or something. Not yeah. No, no, it's got nothing to do with the yeah. biosecurity. It's it's just all to do with the regulations coming out of South America, and gotcha. I, I think I have a feeling that um, Brazilian rosewood is also very difficult to come by in the states. I'm not mm. exactly sure, but um, I don't think they there there's any there. I don't think they're exporting any Brazilian rosewood out of South America anymore. So if, unless you've got a big stash under your bed, then, you know, you'd be looking for alternatives. Yeah, but the guy at the joinery is... Yeah, he's got, got a pretty up. good yeah. stash. Yeah, cool, yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, and I've sort of got it collected a fair bit in my workshop to keep me busy mm. for, a, for a while anyway. Mm. Uh, should we get to A real quick? Let's do A, right. cup of A chains. Alright, ready? Yeah. Bit of the booth? shot Lincoln. Mm. I one point I just one thought I wonder what a name Hina sounds like there. And oh like that. I couldn't resist. <laughs> couldn't resist. Like, mm. Ooh, no. Not real good. <laughs> so, uh, glad we discovered that. Yeah. Yeah, I always thought you could put it's an always good to work out what you can't do in the gym. Yeah. yeah. Nope, that doesn't work. Oh dear. Oh let me try it once. Oh maybe try it again. Maybe it was yeah. maybe I was wrong. It's leaving it for the last time as well. I was thinking this could be the this could make it. This could make this tune. <laughs> I may have rewritten Booth Shaw Lincoln. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rewrite history. Yeah, this will be the source now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how do people get your instruments or other oh, well, working like, yeah, projects? They, they yeah. can find my uh, 
that um, if they'd search for Damascen musical instruments, um, they can find me on the internet and have a look at the pictures. There Check should the be a few pretty pictures. Yeah, D, yeah, that's right. Look at the title. And um, uh, that's all just... I'll fly over to Melbourne and, and then drive an hour north of Melbourne up into the Central Highlands to a town called Newbury. And uh, you can check out some wombats up in the backyard while you're there and, um, and have a look at my workshop. I'm excited to meet the wombats. Yeah, you, you, Cameron's coming down. He's going to meet the wombat, the, our resident wombat. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and um, there, is a, there is a big... Uh, I mean, a lot of folks who do know about the old time scene in Australia. It's a, it's Newbridge just up the road from Blackwood, which is probably the old timey capital mm. in in Australia. There's a lot of uh, folks. Isn't there like almost like over six fiddlers there? It's, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> yeah. it's a capital, that, which is pretty big. It's like a fabled place. It's a fabled, <laughs> fabled place. It's like Mecca. Um, no, it's it's uh, yeah, no, it's a definitely a happening scene. Mm. So yeah. It's definitely worth checking out that area. And you play in a lot of bands, got a lot of projects. Yeah, I've got a few projects. There's uh, that, the one I mentioned before, Volgograd, which has been going for quite some time. The Russian criminal music band. Yeah, yeah, you can see us. There's lots of stuff on the internet about us. Um, and uh, the Wikimen is another sort of jazz uh, thing that I do. I guess it's sort of old jazz, Mills Brothers stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm into all that sort of early. Early ragtime jazz and um, what's it called again? The Wiki Men. The Wiki like, Men. Like Wikipedia, but yeah. Wiki Men. <laughs> yeah. Which actually is like means translates to quick in Hawaiian because we do a lot of early Hawaiian stuff. Oh, cool. I, used to, I was really into like Soul Hoopy and stuff. He's like the Jenga Reinhardt of like slide guitar. Oh, things. cool. And like Robert Crumb, all the stuff that um, there was stuff that came out on his record label that was really interesting. And Bob Brosman's, I think, was involved in a lot of stuff and. Um, that was yeah. Anyway, there was that sort of that's all the influence of that band is yeah. that sort of all the old stuff. And uh, there's another there's a Cajun band that I've just started playing in in recent years, um, playing fiddle, which is a relatively new instrument for me. Um, so playing Cajun fiddle is two fiddles and a harmonica and uh, yeah. and uh, guitar and triangle. That's our band. We're called Gobayan String Band. Which is you know Gobayan being the the uh, sort of slang term for harmonica. Did not know the no. gob iron. Gob iron. Gob yeah. iron there you go. <laughs> so um, yeah, we we play like folk festivals around Australia. We do do a few gigs at pubs here and there in Melbourne, and it's really it's a fun band for us to get together and play Cajun tunes, and often we play old timey tunes as well because we all play old time music as well. So um, yeah. So Damascen instruments. Volgograd, yeah, um, Men, and yeah. Gob Iron, yeah, Gob yeah. Iron, and the Greater Glider String Band. Oh, and the Great, well, yeah, that's a very new string band with uh, my fiance, uh, Karina, and um, and a couple of other folks from around our area, all in within a sort of 20 minute radius um, of our place, and um, we just play old time music. And they're coming up this weekend to play at the uh, the Nimbin Roots Festival, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Lou. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For all the work you do. And Phil. Yeah. He was working hard and today, Phil. too. Yeah. It's been great. It's been great yeah. so far. And it hasn't yeah. even happened yet. Yeah. <laughs> but by the time you listen to this, it probably will have happened. Yeah. We'll have raised up a new generation of uh, old time musicians. Yeah. Or an old generation. Yeah. A new old generation of. Hopefully, old-time they'll musicians. start buying their kids a banjo for their birthday and a fiddle for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show, man. Ah, thanks, Cameron. It's been great. What do you want to play for the last team? Um, Are you going to do a Calico tune? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, good idea. I'll let you guys start. I think it sounds cool. Yep. Okay.
go to naradamassan.weebly.com to order his handmade instruments. You can check out his bands, the Gob Iron String Band, the Wikimen, Volgograd, and the Greater Glider String Band at their respective websites and Facebook pages, all linked in the show notes on your device or the Get Up in the Cool Facebook post for this episode. Nara and I are also featured on a recent episode of Just Make the Thing, a really neat podcast about the creative process hosted by Melbourne's own Claire Tonti. We had a really great chat and played a few tunes throughout the interview. I think it turned out really well, so that's available wherever you like to get your podcasts. Get Up in the Cool is funded primarily by you, the listeners. If you haven't signed up to support the show, visit getupinthecool.com and click the button that says Patreon, then choose a support level that works for you and get its corresponding reward. Throw in a little, and I'll give you an on-air shout-out. Throw in a little more, and you could get access to the bonus track blog where I post the extra tune that my guests and I play for each episode, including this one. At higher levels of support, you could join me for a monthly online banjo workshop or download the whole Get Up in the Cool tune archive featuring every tune and song ever played on the show, including the bonus tracks, tagged and separated from the dialogue for your listening convenience. I also offer the show's exclusive bonus content in bulk at a discount. Just go to getupinthecool.com and click the link that says store, then choose a support level that works for you. Lots of new Patreon supporters this week. Shelly Eves, Ben Allenson, and Brain Joe. Thanks so much for supporting Get Up In The Cool. I really like making this show, and with your help, I'll be able to keep making it. So I'm really grateful to y'all. Thank you so much. To those of you who are unable to support Get Up In The Cool financially, please spread the show around to people who might. Just follow my personal account on Instagram and like and follow Get Up In The Cool's Facebook page and Twitter and share those videos and links. Another great way to support the show is to purchase a telegram if you'd like me to read a message on air for another listener of the show. Or choose the promotional option and I'll read ad copy for your business, festival, or crowdfunding campaign. Speaking of which, uh, thanks again to this episode's sponsor, Elderly Instruments. You can visit their online store at elderly.com. You can contact me at getupinthecool at gmail.com or just click the contact button at getupinthecool.com. Drop a line, ask a question, or, you know, hire me to come play your festival or teach at your trad music camp. Also, at getupinthecool.com are links to my albums, including Get Up In The Cool Volumes 1 and 2, the best of 2016 and 2017 compilation albums. I have another podcast called Think Outside The Box Set. It's an irreverent weekly music review show, and it's available wherever you like to get podcasts. If you're having trouble finding or remembering anything I mentioned in this outro, it's all linked in the show notes on your device, my website, and the Get Up In The Cool Facebook page and group. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up In The Cool. 